Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, kind of our last two podcasts have both rolled into a thought that had been going through my mind. Two podcasts ago, we discussed who should be on the altar during the Mass. And you had mentioned essentially it should be seminarians and priests. That's the ideal goal. And in our last episode, we talked about your order. And the thing that I took the most from the Benedictine order was the acknowledgement that God is everywhere around us. And if we just stop and reflect upon it, it becomes even more abundant than the obvious. That actually makes sense if you sit down and think about it. Um, So there is a great acknowledgement that something important is happening when you get closer to God. And I don't totally sure if this word is the right word to reflect it, but it's, it's something that I have heard used in many different ways and I've seen it in action and that's reverence, uh, particularly reverence to God in the form of the Eucharist. And I have seen, like I said, many different ways we had discussed two episodes ago about the way that people physically receive the Eucharist and how back in the day you would go to a communion round and kneel there, um, not just doing a mark of humility, but for those of us who don't kneel all the time, it's physically painful sometimes. You know, most people aren't used to walking around on their knees and there's something to that, something that makes a lot of sense. You know, Jesus died to give you the Eucharist you can take a minute and a half of your knees hurting a little bit in this culture that doesn't want to have anything that hurts or else we'll take a pill for it. It's important to remember that there's a reason for that. So what I wanted to discuss in today's episode was what is reverence? Why is it important? And how does it impact into our daily lives? Because I think so many of us have don't even have the same starting point in terms of definitions. There's so much crossover and confusion on it that you can't really have a conversation until you start with, what are we talking about? So obviously, you're, you've, been, uh, you've been on the altar more often than anyone else, um, or more than I have certainly, um, presenting the Eucharist and, and presenting the Mass. You're going to have a what I'd imagine to be the strongest knowledge of this topic of anyone I could talk to. So I want to give you the floor now and, and teach us how to do it because this has been gnawing on me for a while. And I think it's an uh, important thing to bring up. Yeah. Reverence is a a beautiful word and a a beautiful thing to think about. Trying to think of what the etymology would be. I have to maybe look that up uh, in a moment, but anyway, the, uh, being being in the sanctuary doesn't necessarily give me a corner on the market in terms of reverence, but I certainly do try to be most reverent there, similar to what I was talking about with the rule of St. Benedict, where he says, you know, let's be at our best in church, and then that'll help us to be better in the rest of our life. If we're really aware of God's presence in church, that'll help us to be aware of his presence everywhere else. So, uh, kind of similar to what you're saying, you know, if if we learn to be reverent in church, which we should be, and I think 
you know, from early on, we, we train our children and, you know, try to help them understand it's a different kind of space. You know, this is a space where we use our quiet voice and uh, this is, you know, we come in and we do different, we do this genuflecting and we make the sign of the cross, we dip our finger in the holy water, we maybe look up at the crucifix, we look over to the tabernacle, we recognize the presence of God in the church, you know. So um, we, we learn that from early on, how to be reverent, at least in church, we should learn how to be reverent. And uh, by extension, certainly in the sanctuary of the church, we should learn how to be reverent, which is often a challenge for altar boys. It's one of the interesting sociological things about not mixing altar boys and altar girls is that boys are more uncoordinated and take longer to develop than girls do. So boys and girls of the same age, girls will be far more effective in terms of you know coordinated and skillful, and they'll drive off the boys who will feel that much more inadequate and then not interested in being in that kind of competition, sociological uh, observation only. So if we don't want to drive off our future priests, then it can be helpful to at least separate altar boys and altar girls in uh, our churches, or as is uh, encouraged for those places that don't already have altar girls, only to have altar boys. That's another podcast. <laughs> Let's leave that for a moment. But anyway, Coming back to the point of reverence, I was just commenting that sometimes the the boys, you know, it becomes a real training ground. I, I would imagine mothers would love to send their boys to a priest who really knows how to teach reverence, because if he can help those boys of various ages like, actually pay attention and sit still, kneel well, have their hands folded, walk in straight lines, pay attention to what they're supposed to be doing, I bet every mother would be delighted to have that happen. And it certainly can be and ought to be a good training ground. And uh, certainly in the communities like the Latin mass communities, you'll really see that. I mean, you have the whole army of altar boys who are just wonderful, you know, and the little ones uh, follow the big ones. And so they learn by example and they want to look up to the example of the older ones. And, and in general, that's what we ought to do is look to good examples uh, one of the sad points, I, it's always dangerous to say, you know, it didn't always, it wasn't always this way, but it seems to be a phenomenon of modern times that we've become a lot more casual in in every sphere. And that's probably a reaction to a sort of hyper formalism in previous times. I don't know. I didn't live in previous times. I only lived in these times. But, um, you know, it seems like people become casual, have become casual and lots of settings where there used to be a little bit more formality, but that's maybe where we've lost the point. And that's the point you're bringing out, which is reverence. It's for the sake of reverence, that there's something that's worth being reverent towards. And we're reverent towards things that are great. There's, there's something magnificent. There's something transcendent. There's something of lasting value. And obviously God is worth being reverent for, and then the things of God, the things that touch God most closely. So again, when we're in places of, of importance, really, really the only things that are important are those that participate in God. So if we, if we see importance in, a, in the Pope, for example, well, it's only because he's the vicar of Christ. It's because of God that we see that we're reverent towards the Pope. Likewise, 
children should be reverent towards their parents. But that's because God has invested parents with authority to stand in his place in part, you know, to represent him to their children. And so for the sake of reverence to God, children are reverent toward their parents or ought to be. Now, again, that reverence is not a kind of formality that, you know, it's only it's only acceptable for children to call their father sir or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that either, but but that's not the only way of expressing reverence. But it's reverence shouldn't be a stale and cold formality. There should be a warm and loving appreciation for someone or something that is participating in God, that is representing God, that is bringing God to us. Likewise, we're sometimes moved to be reverent toward a powerful figure, a government leader, a king or a queen. Uh, Again, they received that from God. Even Jesus was, in that sense, reverence towards Pilate. He said, Pilate says, I have the authority to kill you. And Jesus said, you would have no authority unless it were given to you from my Father in heaven. So even Jesus had a reverence for the authority of Pilate. Now, he had a disgust for the sin and malice and corruption of Pilate, but a reverence for his authority, a reverence for the office. And so insofar as we have a reverence for the the things of God, uh, for important places or powerful figures, or likewise for money, you know, in that sense, money has a power that ultimately comes from God. God is the one who has all the money. And so if any, if he's entrusted money to the care of some individual, it's entrusting a certain amount of authority to them. It's, it's not for their own sake, which is also why it's easy for people with money to go astray and think they are God, which is the farthest thing from the truth. But they receive that authority to have the power of money also from God. So anyway, just to say all of the things that we are reverent toward, uh, and we can think of something beautiful. It's nice to think about that for a moment, you know, uh, uh, an amazing work of art or when we see a sunset or a waterfall, when we see just beauty that strikes us. A lot of times that, that summons forth a reverence from us. We feel on the one hand, so small before these magnificent works of creation. And on the other hand, we feel so great because we're privileged to see it and to, and to participate. We get to be the observers of this, of this masterpiece that God has created. And so it makes our hearts swell with, uh, with reverence, with gratitude, with appreciation for something beautiful something that is so close to the hand of God. So uh, these, these different elements of, uh, the, of participation in God. So as you said, related to what I was talking about in our last podcast with St. Benedict, it's his kind of keynote. Let's be aware of God's presence everywhere. And then let's practice that, especially in church. So if we could develop some reverence in church and some ways that we can do that concretely are by dressing up. You know, we dress up for significant things. You dress up for your wife. You dress up for a date. You know, you dress up for uh, the president of the United States. You dress up for the pope. You dress up for, you know, the the guy with a lot of money who might be buying a house for him from you or whatever. You know, you, we dress up for these these different 
things of significance that are kind of close to God. And so we should dress up for God. We should dress up for church. Uh, we, we hold ourselves in attention. Again, just like we do before some significant person or some significant event or something of great beauty, we hold ourselves in attention and we say, this is the most important thing for me on this earth at this minute. When we're in the presence of God in church, it's the most important thing for my whole life. You know, this is, this is God. What could be more important than God? So at least I need to hold myself in attention and, and pay attention to, to be sensitive to what's happening, to be at my best, to respond in, from my heart. So uh, I'm going to get distracted. I don't need to beat myself up for that. Beating myself up about distractions is another distraction. So I don't want to even waste my time doing that. As soon as I'm distracted, I want to remember I'm in the presence of God. Let me hold myself in attention and pay attention to what God is doing. And then we're we're a little bit more aware of our uh, our our attitude, our emotions, our words. We're we're just a little bit more aware of ourselves to be at our best, to not not have kind of crass things going through us. We want to have our best things going through us. We want to we want to open our hearts to the Lord. We want to offer Him the best that we have. So these are all dimensions of of reverence, and. That's why uh, God himself helps us with reverence through the Holy Spirit. It's one of the, another way of translating the gift of fear of the Lord. And it's the way that we translate it in the sacrament of confirmation, that uh, the gift of awe and reverence for the things of God. You know, so uh, that, that gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift that we can also ask for to help us with this reverence in church that that can spill over to a reverence for the, the things of God. And from everything you just say there, you can see how while, while reverence itself was not one of the virtues that we discussed in our virtue series, it certainly can help and strengthen them. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of it there. And one of the things that I like there was, that you mentioned inevitably we're all going to mess up at some point. We're all going to have these distractions, angry at ourselves that something didn't go the way we wanted to or had planned, but to pause and to stop and say, okay, maybe it didn't go the way that, that I wanted it to go. But that doesn't mean we're still not in the presence of God and oh, by the way, maybe that's what he wanted. So to not get angry and dig a hole deeper, but to reflect, okay, and to go from there. And then the respect given therein, essentially to the, the will of God all around you and, and the importance of that. It, it kind of seems to be, if not the bedrock, but certainly a a, a strong supporting element to the rest of, of the benefits you get from, from being closer to God is giving that reverence back. Um, I forget which, uh, which episode we discussed it in, but at one point we had talked about whatever you give to God, God gives so much more in return that you'll never be able to understand it. And 
you know, giving calm and as you said, reverence shouldn't come from strict formalities. It shouldn't be like a drill sergeant, but it should be coming from a place of love and respect and ultimately it does make you better. That is that is something that I'm trying to get across. That there's tremendous value in it. So I thank you for giving us the starting point for what reverence is. But now I'd like to kind of turn to how do we or how should we present ourselves as reverent, particularly towards the sacraments, uh, Eucharist and confession being the two that most of us receive the most often. Um, so I wanted to, to see that, I guess marriage too, because you live that every day. But in those three theaters, giving ourselves, um, you know, the, the, the presence of, of God in that. Well, as I said, uh, the, what, what we wear matters. So dressing up is a way of uh, having reverence. Another way that we can do that is, again, by paying attention, knowing that there is something important happening that there is something significant happening, that God is present. And so we can become more sensitive. We listen more attentively. You know, you can imagine, uh, I don't know who your favorite sports star is, you know, whoever for our listeners. But uh, if you if you had a chance to hear him talk and he whispered very quietly, you would listen very attentively to that whisper. Every word from his mouth or her mouth would be something worth listening to. So we want to listen very carefully, listen for the voice of God speaking to us. Um, we also prepare our, our hearts, you know, for the Eucharist and for confession. I'll come back to marriage in a moment, but uh, for the Eucharist and for confession, we want to prepare our hearts. We Reverence doesn't start the moment that we walk into church. We get ourselves ready. Again, putting on nice clothes is a way to help us do that. It gets us sort of set into a different interior space of paying attention, getting ready for something important. And so we prepare ourselves with, what am I going to bring to the Lord? What are my needs? What are my, what do I need to offer? Um, you know, what are my prayers? Uh, what, what am I anticipating in the word of God? We can read the readings beforehand. There's no substitute for hearing them during the mass, but we can prepare to hear them better by reading them in advance, you know, so just a way of preparing ourselves. We can think about what's going to happen in the Eucharist. We can think about what's going to happen in confession. In confession, of course, we're preparing ourselves to confess our sins, and it's good for us to make a, a little, take a little look at our lives. I always pull out my calendar because my calendar is so loaded with appointments and things like that that uh, I can usually rem remind myself what happened since my last confession by looking at my calendar. And then I can remember, oh yeah, that was a, that was a rough day. Yeah. I just, you know, yelled at somebody and, and uh, boy, you know, broke some rules that day, whatever it was, you know, so um, we can prepare ourselves by seeing where are the areas in my life that I need mercy and be ready to confess those things to the Lord. And we can prepare ourselves by remembering it's God that we are confessing to, not the, not a priest. You know, the priest is just there representing God. So we want to focus on really confessing all of our sins to God. We, you don't need to go into a ton of detail in confession. Uh, it's not a, not a 
problem if you if you do, but don't let the detail hold you back. And and the priest doesn't need to know everything, but um, you know just to confess those things to God, to open your heart to God. And so you can start by doing that before confession, and then just kind of naming the sins in confession to uh, be the matter for the sacrament, and then we can receive absolution. So also another way that we're reverent is by not getting ready to rush out of there at the first available moment. Uh, you know, the if if we're already halfway out the door, our mind is out the door five minutes before the end of Mass, uh, or 10 minutes or 15 minutes before the end of Mass, then our bodies will be out the door the minute that Mass ends or five minutes before Mass ends. That's not reverent. I'm always amazed at the kinds of things that people stick around for and spend a lot of time in, you know, the three hours that people will spend or four hours at a football game, you know, and can't you spend a full hour at mass, right? So kind of one way to do that is to project ourselves farther ahead, plan to stay for five minutes and make Thanksgiving, kneel down at the end of mass and pray. There's no more precious time to pray then after we've been in the presence of God in that profound way for an hour. So if we kind of project ourselves forward, we start Mass early in our hearts, and we plan to end Mass five minutes after Mass. And similarly with a confession, if we allot a little more time than we need for the confession so that we can do our penance. We come out of the confessional, we kneel before God, we do our penance. And these are ways that we can be more reverent, giving more time, giving more attention to the things that really matter. And so all of this applies to marriage because if you actually treat your spouse like the one who brings you the presence of God, what a difference that will make. And so again, not trying to minimize time with a spouse, but kind of preparing our hearts, always trying to be at our best, trying to have the same attitude with our spouse to not take her or him for granted, uh, but to be reverent towards this, this beautiful person who is also an infinite mystery. It's one of the ways that we can be more reverent in the sacraments is to realize we never master them. You know, we never, it's not like, oh, I got, I got that. <laughs> I'm, I'm an expert actually at mass, you know, I master that skill. I'm moving on to some other ones. We never master it because we never exhaust the mystery. And the same is true in marriage. You never fully know your spouse in the sense that there are always greater depths. There are new things that are opening up. Your spouse is continuing to grow, and there's a richness there that's not fully revealed. It's more revealed over time. And so there's no reason to ever get bored with your spouse. Uh, there's a, a, beauty, a, a beauty there, an infinite beauty that's there. So... Um, yeah, these are these are some ways I think to be to be reverent towards the sacraments, which, as you said very beautifully in marriage, you know, spills out into the rest of our life. Well, thank you very much for that. I mean, there was that was a lot, um, and I, I certainly think about how you've presented it to give us all a, a starting spot to to really think, because in a lot of ways, this is a call to action for us to do in, in what you said about preparing ourselves to be with God. Um, a, that's part of the goal of life. I mean, that's what we're trying to do here on earth is to prepare ourselves to be ultimately ready with God in heaven and to, 
to have it be something we particularly focus on as we receive the sacraments that don't leave during the final song of mass you know just because the priest walked to the door doesn't mean you don't finish the song or have a quiet moment um that's certainly something that that we all can actively start doing um you know maybe we get a thought that says take an extra prayer that just comes upon us someone may pop in your mind during the mass or during any particular moment to just sit down and say an extra prayer when you're there um, in front of the tabernacle. And there's something to that. Um, you know, we all get these, these random thoughts about we should do this, or I haven't thought about that in forever. And, you know, assuming it's, it's a positive thought in the first place, sitting down and, and giving that to God is very important. And at least in my understanding or experience, I guess would be the better way to say it. Whenever I sit down and give stuff to God, it's in a quiet place within both the physical surroundings and my mind. You know, it, there's a, a stillness that comes and the preparation of going and finding your nice shoes that you don't wear all the time that actually have them clean and have your shirt pressed and all that. There is something to that, that without putting God in the appropriate focus just seems like a pain. Like, why do I got to go out and get all this nice clothes out and all that? But when you realize that it's part of a respect factor for God, you know, as you mentioned it, you're going on a job interview, you're going to want to look your best. And there's an element to that, that you're going to give homage to God to have a calm and stillness within you as far as a preparation for it is tremendously important. So I thank you for having this conversation with father. This is actually one of those fleeting thoughts that came into my mind during a mass. And I wanted to have a, an, an episode about it here. So as we have two minutes here, essentially to wrap up, I want to give you the floor and give us some final thoughts on how we can actively put this into our lives moving forward. Yeah, it's a such an important topic. And uh, I guess I would just encourage our listeners to try it, you know, just ask yourself, how could I be more reverent? Think about times that you are reverent, that you're at your best. I like to say it that way, that you're at your best. And and how could you apply that to God a little bit more? Uh, and And try it and talk to people about it and watch what other people do and and see how you might just stretch your heart to be more at your best. If you're at your best before God, you know, after all, we do spend eternity in his presence. So learning to be at our best before him is good preparation for heaven and could be a little taste of heaven, in fact, if we, if we do that with love. And then ask the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned, it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ask him for the gift of reverence. And that has a way of all the other virtues kind of spill out you know, when we learn how to be reverent. So um, you can just ask for that gift as well. Well, thank you very much, Father, for, for doing this episode with us here and leaving these final thoughts. And, you know, one of the things I'd ask to all of our listeners out there is if you are getting something from this, as many of you are, or 
given by the fact you listen as often as you do, just just share it with someone. Um, you know, we, we that's how we grow, and we've definitely grown significantly, and we continue to ask you to continue to do that. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will be with you again here next week.